Welcome to the Victory Church Podcast. If you want more information about Victory Church Bendigo, contact us via our email info at victorycc.com.au or check out our social media pages in the description below. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to pray it and I'm going to jump in. Father, I thank you this morning, the Lord, that you would speak through your word and Lord, you would speak quickly. So help me to speed up what I need to say so that we're not here forever and that Lord, your work will be done in people's lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've got a passage of scripture that's burning in my heart. I can't get this passage of scripture out of me. I was going to, I'm really trying to get away from this scripture, but it keeps coming up. It keeps burning in my heart. There's something in this passage of scripture at the moment that God's doing in me. And I want to preach out of that revelation because I just feel it's not just for me. It's, this is for every Christian. It's not a, a thing which God's just put on my life. It's a thing which is on every believer's life. It's found in the book of Romans. I haven't got slides this morning. I'm just going to read for you. It's Romans 12. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I want to speak to our college students today that are graduating. This, I feel this in my heart for you, but also it applies to everyone in this room. So it's not uh, excluded from anyone who is a believer here today. When Paul was writing this, and if you, our students would know, he was writing this to a group of people at a set time, at a set church, at a set location. But these words transcend time. They've been words which have uh, transcended from the time of writing all the way to today. And in fact, if Paul was writing today to our college students, he would write the same thing. Nothing has changed in this. Nothing shifted in this. The, as he writes this to us, this is what has caused people to lay down their lives, has caused people to die horrific deaths, has caused people to give up everything. And it's the same message that he would write to us today. Nothing would have changed in it because it's a message for all time. I love this passage of Scripture. I feel such a resonance with this passage of Scripture. And I pray that for our Bible college students, in particular, as they have grown, as they have learned more about God and what God has done and what God has worked out for their life, that He came, died, Jesus came, died in their place, resurrected, has given them new life, a right way to live with God. That as more and more they understand that, that something inside of them should say, well, what do I do? What do I do? If you were to go into a court of law, there's a, in a court of law, there's what's called the reasonable person test. The reasonable person test. This comes up a lot if you ever sit on a board or in governance. And it's this. What would a reasonable person with reasonable skills and reasonable mindset do in a circumstance? And Paul, when he's writing this, he's writing to the church and he's saying, and so he's already been working throughout the whole book of Romans and he's been explaining certain things. He's explaining, first of all, that we're sinful. He's explaining, secondly, that it's only through the blood of Jesus that we actually are made right with God. And now he's beginning to explain, well, what should our response be? And Paul's writing and he's saying, if you understand all this stuff, if you understand everything that God's done, what is your reasonable response to what Jesus has done for you? And his reasonable response and his argument is this, is that your reasonable response but should be to give your life back to him as a reasonable act of service. It's not even asking too much. In fact, it's just reasonable. 
And he's writing to the church and saying, guys, this is your reasonable act of surface. And what Paul is saying, he's saying this, you are to surrender your life to him in worship. If you really understand everything God's done, you'll give your life to him in worship. You'll surrender your whole life. You'll give everything to him. You'll make that decision and that choice and that motivation to say, God, I want to give everything back to you. If you really understand, I, I'll tell you, I'm going back to some of my calling. I want to tell you, I, I'm becoming more and more convinced. We've got to go back to our calling that God, I, I said, I'll give you everything. I said, I'll give you everything. I'd lay down my whole life. And it's a challenge with living sacrifices that generally tend to crawl off altars. Do you know, our response of faith should be that as the more we know, the more deeper we actually come into full-fledged service to God. See, the greatest line that we all have to deal with is that live for yourself and make yourself happy. It's the greatest lie that happens and and is perpetuated in this world. This is why so many people are so bitterly unhappy in life. Because they've believed a lie that to make yourself happy, you just live for you. I've generally found people that live for themselves and don't live for a greater cause or don't live for a greater purpose are generally most unhappy people I know. Because it's never enough to fill the void that's in your life. Jesus said these words in Matthew 16, 25. He said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their own soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their own soul? See, your whole purpose in life is to worship. You were created to worship God. Paul, at the beginning of the book of Romans, writes this. He says that these people, what they did is they began to worship the creator over the creator they exchange the truth of God for a lie and that's what we can all do we can all begin to worship ourselves worship what we want and serve ourselves let me tell you this the life of service to you the life of living for yourself is a worse life to live there's nothing greater than laying down your life and giving your life for others that's why Jesus, when he actually was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. As you begin to love God and serve him and worship him and put him first in your life, it will change the relationships around you. It'll shift relationships around because when you carry the heart of Father God, when you understand his heart and to the sacrifice that he made for you, it begins to help you to understand how to sacrifice for others and live on this level. And I think that when, when Jesus was saying these words, he was understanding. It's so good to love and to put others first. I want to encourage you college students, don't ever be tempted to put yourself first. Put yourself last. Live, live a life where you say, God, I don't want to be putting myself first. I want to be living last. I've been away fishing the last couple of days. How many of you love fishing? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on. Love you. Been away fishing. We were on the beach. We had a whole heap of rods set up. One of the rods buckled over. It fell out of the, um, the sand anchor, which we had it in, and it started to go out. It was heading out to Bass Strait. And I uh, dived on the rod, uh, pulled up, and uh, I knew straight away what was on it was the gummy shark. And uh, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And uh, one of the guys there said to me, I've never caught a gummy shark. I was like, man, here you go, have a rod. Man, bring it in, man. Come on, bring it in. And he brought it in. And, and you know, by a miracle, he'd only caught it. He caught it by the back tail. It, it, the hook had gone through the back tail. Hadn't even 
bitten it. It must have just been swimming by and just managed to bump into it. And so, you know, I jumped in the surf and I grabbed it and I pulled it out. I'm telling you, I felt more happy about someone else getting the gummy shark than me getting it. I was like, man, this is awesome, this is great. I was so pumped that someone else had a great experience. I was there when someone caught their first ever gummy shark off the beach. I was like, man, this is so good. And I want to tell you, the strange thing about life is you will feel more good about life and better about life when you do things for others and you set others up for wins and when you help others and when you build others and when you encourage others. I love my stuff. Let me tell you what I love about my stuff. I love it when they win. I love it when they look good. I love it when they're the champions. I love it. I get more joy out of that than myself. I want to tell you, if you want to start understanding how life works, when you make others win, when you help others, when you build others, when you strengthen others, when you live a life where it's not about you, you will find the life you've always wanted. You'll find it. When you lay down your life and give it for others, you'll be exactly like Jesus was. Let me tell you this, that's the heartbeat of Jesus. And when you understand that, you will move in a different way. You'll live in a different way. Your best life is not found living for you. It's going to be fulfilled in living for others. You know, one day we're all going to stand before judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due for him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So what should our response be to a God who's done so much for us? Our response should be this, that, Lord, I want to give my life in service to you. I don't own this anymore. I give it all to you. Deeply understanding everything that you've done, the only response I could be is just to live and serve you. That's it. That's all I can, that's, that's what all a reasonable person could do if they truly understand everything that Jesus has done. But there's a way in which God wants this done. The word there is used is holy. Now the word holy, when it's, when it's used in this context, is talking about this completely consecrated to God. See, what God wants from you is your whole life. Not segments, not parts, but he wants the whole And what Paul says is, he says, you can't just give God a little bit of your life. You can't give him a part. You can't give him a little inch. You've got to give him everything. That's what he's looking for from your life. He's looking for you to be totally consecrated, totally sold out, totally committed, totally giving everything. That's the kind of true and proper worship that he's seeking from you. All of us who are created to worship. And he says, I want everything. I want your whole life. You know, in the Old Testament, there's this story about what God is looking for. And it's to do with worship. We're going to worship one of two things. We're going to worship ourselves or we're going to worship God. And in the Old Testament, there's this story where God appears to Moses. And when God appears to Moses, he says to, Mo, uh, he says to Moses, uh, you're to go to Pharaoh and you're to tell Pharaoh that uh, you're to release God's people that we may go three days into the desert and we might worship him. Now, of course, we, we all know the story. I'll paraphrase the story this morning just for the sake of time. We're going to be here forever. But the paraphrase of the story is this. They go, they see Pharaoh. Pharaoh's not impressed by that. And he says, no. They were called to worship, but Pharaoh wanted to compromise their worship. So eventually when Pharaoh begins to yield a bit because God's afflicting him with plagues, he starts to want them to compromise their worship. But let me tell you this. There's, there's something going on in this world that will always try and seek to get you to compromise how you worship God. There's always a compromise. 
Pharaoh's first compromise was this. He says to them, hey, you can worship the Lord your God here in the land. Don't go anywhere. Just stay here. You know, we have, in a, in a, we have the kingdom of this world and we have the kingdom of God. We have been transferred into the kingdom of God. We belong in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you this. You cannot worship God and remain in Egypt. See, Egypt for the children of Israel was always a place to compromise. It was a place wherever they went, wherever there was trouble and they didn't trust God, that's where they went. And Pharaoh's saying, you can worship God in that place. You can worship God in that, in that place of no faith, of no belief, of no confidence, of no whatever. You can, you can worship God there. You can stay there. You can live exactly the same as the people of around you and the people of the world and you can live in that place and you can still worship God. Moses says, no. I'm not going to compromise on our worship. We're not going to stay here in this place. God's told us to remove ourselves. So then Pharaoh thinks, well, okay. I couldn't get him to budge on that one. He says, you may go worship the Lord your God, but do not go very far. I'll let you a little bit out of my sight and a little bit away, but don't go going crazy out there. See, this is the compromise of don't, don't go too nuts for God. I mean, don't, don't have too much of a faith that's too radical, that's too ever. Stay close enough that if you change your mind, you can get back here really quickly. Just remember, there's all these pleasures. There's all these wonderful things here. There's all these great things. And you don't want to be so far out there that if you change your mind real quick, that you can't get back here in a day. See, why did God say to them, go three days out? Because God wanted them to be totally removed. And sometimes what will happen is, is the compromise of your worship will be this. Don't be too radical. Don't be too out there. Don't be too full on. Don't be too crazy. Just stay close enough to Egypt and that place of compromise that if you change your mind, you can be back there in an instant. But Moses says to him, no, we will not worship God in this way. We have been very clearly told we have to go three days out. Then he offers the next compromise. He says, I have seen your evil plans and I know what you're up to and I know really you want to escape. So only the men may go. Only the men may go. I'm going to invite the worship team back. Only the men will go. The next compromise, the next compromise, which he tries to use is this, is the compromise of family. The compromise of family. There's a compromise that sometimes when we want to worship God, that family, friendships, relationships will affect our ability to worship him. Jesus makes this very clear. When he was first sending out his disciples, one of the things that he said was this in Matthew 10, 37. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. See, there's a compromise in family and relationships. And some of you aren't going to like what I'm going to say. Sorry, it's the words of Jesus. But anyway, sometimes, sometimes there's a compromise of family. I love my family. For 25 years, I have not lived near my family. I've missed out on birthdays, celebrations, family stuff, Christmases. Why have I done that? Not because I don't love my family. I've done it because I love the Lord. And it's come at a horrible cost at times. It's been difficult. It's been hard. But I love him. 
and I'm not prepared to compromise what he's asking me to do or my worship to him or giving my life in Romans 12 wholeheartedly in every part of it and saying it's totally yours. Whatever you want, whatever you ask me to do, whatever you say, I'll do it. Now he doesn't ask everyone to do that. He's not saying to everyone in this room, you've got to move away from your family. And He doesn't ask all of us to do that. But sometimes it, he's going to ask you to not put other relationships before your relationship with him. Pharaoh says, you know, the men can go. Tries to stop true worship through relationships. And sometimes your relationships will compromise your ability to worship God. That's why Jesus said you can't, you can't have anyone before him. He's got to be the number one. He's got to be the number one. The fourth compromise, which he gives. The fourth compromise. Pharaoh says, you may go. All of you, you're young, your family, whatever, but leave behind all your livestock. Leave it behind. Don't take it with you. Don't want it. You can't take that with you. See, the compromise here is the compromise of lifestyle, of ability to earn, of finances, of the things of this world. See, the compromise that, you know, God, you don't, you're not really in control of my finances. You're not really in control of my money or my assets or the things that I own. I am. They're mine. Keep that stuff out of it. Keep that stuff. I can worship God, but I don't need any of that stuff to worship God with. I love what Moses says. He says to Pharaoh, he says, not a hoof will be left behind. He says, not a hoof will be left behind because when we get there, we do not know what the Lord our God will ask us to use to worship. I want to tell you, you can't afford to leave out anything because you don't know what God is going to ask you to give to Him to be able to worship Him. I love that passage of Scripture because he has a conviction that, you know what, there's nothing left out of what we want to give to God. See, sometimes we say, oh God, that bit there, you can have it. See, the rich young ruler is an incredible story about a young man who came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, you know, I've done everything great. Look at me. I'm fantastic. And then Jesus says, well, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, then you'll be made perfect. And the Bible says he went away very, very sad. Why? Because... He didn't have the ability to do it. Now, Jesus didn't ask everyone to do that. Sometimes when people read that story, they think everyone's called to do that. Not everyone is called to do that. But in this situation, he asked that specific person. Why? Because it was an issue for them. And sometimes what God is wanting to do in our lives and in areas of our lives is He's asking, are you prepared to give everything? Or are there areas in your life that are off limits to me? Are there areas in your life where you say, well, you can have this and have this and have this, but this bit, this is mine. Or if you like Moses who says, no, not a hoof will be left behind because we do not know what the Lord our God will ask us in worship. There's compromises to try and stop you from worshiping. You can worship Him here. You can worship Him, but don't go crazy. Don't go too far out there. You can worship Him, but, you know, those relationships, you know, they're, they're, they are more important. You can worship Him, but leave your job, your career, your profession, your possessions, all that out of Him. You can leave everything, all that stuff out of worshiping. You can worship Him. Know what God is looking for is people that are holy and consecrated, totally given over to Him. There's no area off limits. 
There's no boundaries. There's no, this is where this sits and this is where this sits. It's everything. And Paul, when he writes in Romans chapter 12, therefore, therefore, in view of God's mercy, the only reasonable thing that you can do if you truly understand everything Jesus has done is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, not in part, not the things you don't like, but everything over to Him. That is your reasonable act of service. I speak to the college students. I don't know what God's calling to. I don't know what God's going to ask you to do. It's going to look different for all of you, but I'd say this to you. Give yourself to Him. You will never find a better, more fulfilling, greater life than to give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and His plans and His purposes. It's the life that you've always wanted. It's the life you dream of. Yes, you would have to deny yourself. Yes, you'll have to take up your cross. But if you take up your cross and you follow Him, you will have Him walking with you all the days of your life and you'll have the most fulfilled life that you can get. It doesn't just apply to the college students. It applies to all of us. All of us in this room. All right, I've preached for too long. We need to close. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to hand back to Andy in just a few moments. Why don't we stand this morning? Father, as we read the words of Paul and we just see what he communicates, that Lord, you want everything. I pray that we can be that kind of sold out people. But Lord, in view of the understanding of everything Jesus has done, we say, Lord, what else can we do but just give our lives in worship to you? Lord, help us at times where we want to compromise our worship. Lord, where we want to be the living sacrifice that crawls off the altar, that doesn't want to stay in that position of surrender. Lord, we know, we know that at times those temptations are very real. But Lord, I pray in those moments that you give us the ability to, Lord, just say, no, I know what I've decided. I know what I believe. I know my convictions. I know what I sense in my heart. I know what I've promised. I know what I want to live. I know what I want to be. And Father, I pray today that, Lord, you would give us that courage and that conviction to live all of our days in service to you, fully given over to you consecrated, set apart for your service and for your glory. Lord, I pray today that, Lord, you would give us the ability to do that by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and in your name.